0: Smuggling Hope, Episode 25 Safeguarding Sleeping Beauties Once upon a time there lived a king and queen who were very unhappy because they had had no children. But at long last they had a little girl and their sorrow was turned to joy. All the bells in the land were rung to tell of the glad tidings. The king gave a christening feast so grand that the like of it had never been known. He invited all the fairies he could find in the kingdom. There were seven of them and to come and to the christening as godmothers. He hoped that each would give the princess a good gift. When the christening was over, the feast came, and before each of the fairies was placed a plate with a spoon, a knife, and a fork, all made of pure gold. But alas, as the fairies were about to seat themselves at the table, there came into that very hall an old fairy who had not been invited. She had left the kingdom fifty years before, and had not been seen or heard of until that day. The king at once ordered that a plate should be brought for her, but he could not furnish a gold one such as the others had had. This made the old fairy angry, and she sat there muttering to herself. Now a young fairy who sat near overheard her angry threats. This good godmother, fearing the old fairy might give the child an unlucky gift, hid herself behind a curtain. She did this because she wished to speak last and perhaps be able to change the old fairy's gift. At the end of the feast, the youngest fairy stepped forward and said, The princess shall be the most beautiful woman in the world. The second said, She shall have a temper as sweet as an angel. The third said, She shall have a wonderful grace in all that she does and says. The fourth said, She shall sing like a nightingale. The fifth said, She shall dance like a flower in the wind. The sixth said, She shall play such music as was never heard on earth. Then the old fairy's turn came, shaking her head spitefully, she said, When the princess is 17 years old, she shall prick her finger with a spindle, and she shall die. At this all the guests trembled, and many of them began to weep. The king and queen wept loudest of all. Just then the wise young fairy came from behind the curtain and said, Do not grieve, O king and queen. Your daughter shall not die. I cannot undo what my elder sister has done, but the princess shall indeed prick her finger with the spindle, but she shall not die. She shall fall into a sleep that will last a hundred years. At the end of that time, a king's son will find her and awaken her and immediately all the fairies vanished the king hoping to save his child even from this misfortune commanded that all spindles should be burned this was done but it was all in vain one day when the princess was 17 years of age the king and queen left her alone in the castle she wandered about the palace and at last came to a little room in the top of the tower there an old woman so old and deaf that she had never heard of the king's command sat spinning what are you doing good old woman said the princess princess I'm spinning, my pretty child. Ah, said the princess. How do you do it? Let me see if I can spin also. She had just taken the spindle in her hand when in some way it pricked her finger. The princess dropped down on the floor and the old woman called for help and people came from all sides, but nothing could be done. When the good young fairy heard the news, she came quickly to the castle and she knew that the princess must, keep, was, must sleep a hundred years and would be frightened if she Found herself alone when she awoke. So the fairy touched with her magic wand all in the palace except the king and queen, ladies and gentlemen, pages, waiting maids, footmen, grooms in the stable, and even the horses. She touched them all, and they all went to sleep just where they were, when the wand touched them. Some of the gentlemen were bowing to the ladies; the ladies embroidering; the grooms stood currying their horses; and the co- the cooks was slapping the kitchen boy. The king and queen departed from the castle, giving orders that no one was was to go near it. This command, however, was not heeded, and in a little while there sprang around the castle, a wood so thick that neither man nor beast could pass through. Now a great many changes take place in the hundred years, and the king had no other child, and when he died, his throne passed to another royal family. Even the story of the sleeping princess was almost forgotten. One day, the son of the king, who was reigning, was out hunting, and he saw towers rising above a thick wood, and he asked what they were, but no one could answer him. At last, an old peasant was found. And said, Your Highness, fifty years ago my father told me that there was a castle in the woods where a princess sleeps, the most beautiful princess that had ever lived. It was said that she must sleep there a hundred years when she would be awakened by a king's son. At this the young prince determined to find out the truth for himself, and he leaped from his horse and began to force his way through the wood. To his astonishment, the stiff branches gave way and then closed again, allowing none of his companions to follow a beautiful palace rose before him in the courtyard the prince saw horses and men who looked as if they were dead but he was not afraid and boldly entered the palace there were guards motionless as stone gentlemen and ladies pages footmen some standing some sitting all like statues at last the prince came to a chamber of gold where he saw upon a bed the fairest sight one had ever beheld a princess about 17 years old who looked as if she had just fallen asleep trembling the prince Knelt beside her and awakened her with a kiss, and now the enchantment was broken. The princess looked at him with wondering eyes and said, "Is it you, my prince? I have waited for you long." So happy were the two that they talked about. They talked about half an hour. In the meantime, all in the palace awakened and each began to do what he was doing when he fell asleep. Later that day, the two were married, and they lived happily ever after. Sleeping Beauty as presented by the Brothers Grimm. Now, oftentimes I do not start a podcast with a story that, that's, that that is that long, but because the story is an archetypal story meaning that it actually is a myth that represents realities beyond the story itself, we're going to use it as a framework for uh, the principles of parenting uh when you want your child to date. So there's a couple things here, right? Obviously like it is a natural experience for young people to want to date, to fall in love, to have romance. But let's start out with this just to break it down. If you think about the story of Sleeping Beauty, it is a story where parents are trying to protect their daughter. And in the beginning, they you know as the story is, you know there is this protection from the ill will of the other fairy, right? Some stories of the Brothers Grimm have it where the fairy was just a meanie and this one, in the original translation, I think, you know, from the German, like a lot of times it is that she was just not treated well, so she spites people, right? She spites the family. Now the child is innocent, but the truth is, is that life is difficult, right? So in, in some ways, like the parents in the story, the king and queen, they do everything they can to prevent their child from getting hurt, right? And, and so they they don't want to upset this woman, you know, who is this this fairy who has ill intent. They try to prevent her from getting upset, and then they try to prevent their own child from experiencing suffering, right? So far as to burn all the spindles in in, in the the whole kingdom, right? So there's this effort on behalf of the parents, right, to protect their child. But in many ways, protecting their child, you know, leads the child into fantasy world or into a state of naivete. This could be a woman or a man. But the the state to protect a child is to rob them of their natural ability to pay attention to the realities of life and they go to sleep right we, we they, they go to sleep they're not aware of the dangers of the world so so i want you to think like in the in the classic disney story like maleficent like the evil fairy right the evil fairy represents an encounter with the world right an encounter with the world and essentially like when we encounter the world um, we, we really like need to uh, be strengthened by that encounter. We're either gonna be strengthened by an encounter with the world, or we're going to be weakened by it. And that's when we, when we think about dating or parenting, we want to make sure we train our kids so that they become stronger as they encounter the world, not weaker. And we don't wanna make our kids lose uh, or, or our kid becoming unconscious, right? Though the, the goal is for our kids to become more and more conscious more and more aware of an ability to pay attention uh, and and respond to the reality in their life, and so you think about these these different factors in the Sleeping Beauty narrative, right? You have parents, obviously they cherish their kid. You've got the wheel of fate that is inescapable, right? Inescapable wheel of fate. She pricks her hand on it, right? Um, you see all these pieces coming together, and then you have obviously as as the story transforms, right? She or trans. You know, you know unfolds i mean the disney version has you know the prince meet her before the whole issue right with the the, the spinning wheel um she meets the the prince and falls in love with him in a day and then she kind of goes to sleep because that's shocking and she loses her mind in the story i just read you know she you know goes to sleep and the prince has to find her now the prince is not i mean he is a man but but he represents consciousness he, he, he represents her conscience you know her her ability to become conscious right um remember like the, the you know in the disney version if you've ever seen that when you were a kid like the 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 prince has to deal with a dragon right i mean that's a huge that's a huge undertaking right and so in that situation right man and woman like like they need each other right women wake men up right women's beauty their possibility that wakes men up right to their their sacrificial nature and for 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 women men men should be waking women up but but in in the sense of to reality right inspiring us to our best self and so we, we both need each other to become conscious and and in the story of sleeping beauty you know you think about it is is that you know that 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 you know that struggle to become conscious to reality is so important right so as we date we have to be more and more aware of the dangers and perils And there has to be an attitude of learning, not this attitude that everything is is bad or that everything needs to be feared because if we're just afraid, we're going to avoid or we're going to become unconscious or we teach our kids to be unconscious. And what will happen is our kids will be um, upset with us because they know they're losing something. Also, there's a danger is as your kids grow up, if you're the parent and you have a teenage kid, your kid may exhibit bravery that for whatever reason you were unable to access when you were a teen 10 20 30 40 years ago right and so you see that as your children age or they date or they marry or they raise their own kids right we we, we, we have this, uh, sometimes we, you know, but in the teen game, in the teen g- dating game, when you see your kids and, and they have those braveries and they, they have that courage, it's, it's, it's important that we not project our own failings onto our kids and then stamp out their bravery, stop their virtue from, from uh, growing because we have fears it's you know it's like we, we don't believe that they have the ability to fight these dragons but they must and that's our job right and in and, and some of what we've experienced in our life even if it has been setbacks we need to know how to access that in a way that it does not intoxicate our parenting so it doesn't take over the whole experience because we don't want our traumatizations our setbacks our failures flaws you know foibles to get in the way of of reality of communicating you know to our children how they can deal with what's in front of them because they've got this is a hard work right we're talking about dragons we're talking about coming to reality um it's 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 a it's an intense show have you ever wondered what the leading cause of divorce is it's not addiction infidelity lack of intimacy or incompatibility it's actually criticism Criticism underlies all the behaviors that lead to divorce. Criticism kills connection between married couples. If you want to learn ways to stop criticizing and start connecting with your spouse, check out heartsrenewed.org for dynamic exercises on how to shape new conversations with your spouse that will give you the kind of marriage you signed up for, all from the comfort of your home. So so the first thing that we want to do principally in in terms of like helping our children through the process of dating is realize that there are, uh, you know, really some key goals here. The goal of parenting is really to prepare your kid to deal with reality. It is not about emotions. Emotions do play a role, but that is not the goal of parenting. The goal is to direct ourselves as, as parents to help our kids deal with the reality, the reality that they want to date. The reality that they might want to get married or have a family, the reality is that there are people that are not, uh, you know, at their best, that want to take advantage of them, that do not share their same values, um, that are not formed the same way. Uh, And we, in order to be able to uh, navigate the goal stuff with our kids, we have to be aware of what our goal is and we have to make space for them because our goals are not necessarily our kids' goals. And so we need to make sure that the relationship between us and our kids is intact because rules without relationship give us rebellion, right? Rules without relationship give us rebellion, right? So we need the relationship. Relationships are key. And that gives us access to understanding why our kids are doing what they're doing, why they're dating, who they're dating, you know, what their intentions are, all that stuff. And, you know, you know again, to draw back on what I just got done talking about is one of the key markers of this is really like, we wanna make our kids conscious, right? We don't want them to be unconscious. There's a lot of people that I've, I've come to know in my life that their parents protected them from a lot of things Um, In part because their parents experienced a lot of things um, and the kid became unconscious and because they were asleep in their life, um, the predators found them actually like that they were they were predated upon. Right. Because they thought everybody's lovely. Everybody was nice. Everybody, nobody would do horrible things. But you come to find out that is not that is not the case. People are terrible. They cheat on you. They hurt you. They take advantage of you. They can abuse you you know, um, all types of crazy stuff, right? So first thing is, is really to make sure that you understand your job as a parent is to inform your kids about how to navigate reality. And one of the ways that we do that is we have to be able to get out of our own way in the sense that we want to ask better questions. We want to be curious, not afraid of our kids. We want to ask questions, you know, um, questions so that we know what their dreams are, and we get our kids to explain what their dreams are with us because we cannot partner with our kids, support our kids, or be effective as parents, or even hold them accountable if we don't know what they're trying to accomplish. You know, so a lot of times like I see like with parents is that they have their own dreams for their kids. Like, I want this for you, and that's fine, but to say I want this for you is to take over your kid's life and to make yourself responsible for something that you can never complete, which is You can't live your kid's life. You can't stop the wheel of fate. You can't stop bad things from happening. You can try not to invite the evil fairy. You can try not to invite, you know, reality, but it's still going to show up. The encounter with the cruel world is going to show up and your kid needs to be prepared so that he can or she can be strengthened by it, right? And, and 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 this situation we're talking about romantic stuff right so men are going to be woken up by women right their beauty um you know their attractiveness um all of that stuff and you know women are going to be woken up right you know by by men and and the, the the powers that men possess right um and and again you know the the security or the safety or the strength the the responsibility that men can offer if they're at their best. So we wanna ask better questions, right? We wanna ask better questions for our kids. Our kids are gonna to wanna to date. One of the things is, you know, kind of like, you know, I, I want, what is like the age that a kid should date? And the, the, the first thing is, is like, why are you dating at all, right? So what, what is the point of dating? And you need to ask that question to your kids so that you have a dialogue. Now, I know what the point of dating is as an adult person, but if I'm talking to a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid, or younger, the question becomes, why are you dating? And that needs to be fleshed out and talked about, right? We have to have clarity or well, why are you going to date? What is the end? Remember if a child or anybody, me too, like if we start something and we don't finish it, like it will agitate us. So you, you see this with a lot of people, like especially the people who cohabitate with their significant others, is it produces a lot of anxiety because essentially like they can't begin, right? They can't finish stuff because they can't start it because they're in a process of evaluation. They've been test driving a car for five years. That's stressful. You know, well, when are we going to get married? Well, I don't know. I want to make sure it's a good fit. I want to make sure that you're not crazy. So, I mean, like that's, that is its own form of like unlogicalness. But for our conversation, for the most part, we're trying to figure out with a kid, like what's the point of dating? And for the most part, like it usually goes into two categories is usually, you know, kids will say, well, I just wanna like have the experience. Okay, you wanna have the experience, but what is it you want to experience? What is it that you want to experience? Is it a sexual experience? Is it kissing? Is it holding your hands? Is it that you want gifts at Christmas time? Like, what is it that you want to experience? Because de- depending on what you want to experience, you're going to get something, right? And it might be something that's terrible. It might be something that you really don't want. So you need to make a decision. What do you want to experience? Why are you dating? And again, like, you know, obviously like dating without intentionality is is um, chaos, right? Because now you're with somebody and it's kind of like being in a boat with somebody out at sea, adrift at sea, like, where the heck are you going? And so if you're out at sea on a boat that with no direction, there's a good chance you might, um you know, you, you could run into a storm, you might, you might run out of food, you know, you might never reach shore, you might eat each other. I have no idea. The truth is, is if there is no intention, what will happen is something bad is probably going to occur. The romantic nature of things, of this whole idea of, well, it, it'll just be like a whirlwind, whatever, or it'll just be serendipitous. Uh, th- that's not necessarily helpful, right? Because there needs to be, you know, some direction. You can have playfulness, serendipity, you know, improvisation, but you need to have direction. If you don't have direction, you will put a lot of stress on your relationship and you also will not know if it's on course or not. Now you, you need but so if there has to be a goal and as a parent, right, your job is to inform the child of reality. So most people do not want um, to just date to date, right? They want they, they, they at the end goal, right? So it's like, well, I just, I really like, you know, I really like this guy or I really like this girl, okay. You know, and I think like, you know, people are different with boys and girls, right? And how they date and how we protect certain, you know, people. But again, we need to protect men, you know, from themselves in many ways and also from women. And we need to protect women from themselves, you know, and, you know, from, from really, you know uh reducing their own worth and also from men right or whoever wants to you know date them consume them whatnot as as individuals right because these are overpowering sensations and and desires that, that affect young people right this is not simple stuff so so it's important that the child be able to the, the young person be able to communicate what their goal is with their own language you know and so you ask them well do you want to is the goal of mar- goal of dating to be married or to be in a long term committed relationship yes okay or is the is the they might say well i just want to have experience okay and then the question becomes well what difference will that experience make to you and maybe they'll say well i just want to fit in with everybody else well that's a whole other conversation right because remember a lot of people right now are, uh, are mutually abusing each other, right? So like our society pro- proliferates a culture of sexual abuse, people abusing themselves through pornography and masturbation, people abusing each other through all these weird uh sexual antics, whether it's like um, OnlyFans or, you know, you know all these different kinds of, of things where people are using each other all the time and then the hookup culture. Um, but now the trend is almost as if that, People don't, they're almost terrified of, of, of actual physical closeness. You know, some of the, the young people are now asexual, right? They don't even want to have relationships at all, which is another weird undercurrent, right? There's, you know, a deadening of the desire to be with people, um, you know, in a romantic way. So we, we really want to, you know, ask the question, okay, you want to have experiences. Well, what difference will those experiences make? What is it that you want to get at, like, what the child is trying to accomplish by their behavior? What is the goal? What are you aiming for, right? And, 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 and that is, in some ways, the parenting is, is, again, like, getting clarity over what the child's goal is. Remember, like, your kids aren't terrible people, and they're also not stupid. But they don't know everything about the world. You know, you've at least hopefully fought a couple dragons before. They may not have fought them at all and so if you know how to fight them or you know how to slay them you know hopefully you won't be afraid of them but not being afraid means you need to relax and ask better questions and clarify the goal so use questions be curious you know, get them to use their language not your language because the most powerful voice in a person's life is their own you know, you know the po- most powerful voice in another person's life is their own if your child will say certain things then you start to have the ability to hold them accountable to what they've said they will not be held accountable by what you say so much as what they say okay so that's important right now um you know again you know as you use questions and you talk to your 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 child over the course of it you know how old is the right age to date you know um 14, 15, 16, 17. The question is, is like, again, what's the point? If you're 14 and you want to date, why? Like, why do you want to date at 14? What are you, what is anybody doing at 13, 14 years old? Right. What is the point? And, and that becomes a question. Um, and, and to figure out why, right? Are you going to date somebody at 14 and marry them? You know, is he going to pick you up in his, in his Mazda? I mean, like, what's going on? And in general, like young people have very little um, ability, right? If you want to date, you know, remember dating should be connected to responsibility because ultimately dating is should be at least drawn to greater and greater responsibilities and the ability to make, uh, you know, uh, greater ability to, to sacrifice for the person that someday you will encounter, right? You will love this person. You will meet somebody that will be the love of your life possibly. And will you have the capacity to participate in that relationship or will it traumatize you or freak you out because you won't be able to say yes, right? Because you lack the discipline. And in that moment, whether the woman wakes you up and says, you know what, man, I really got to get my act together because this woman is going to leave me if I don't get the discipline and get my act together. Or, you know, this man uh, really needs me to, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, be be the present to him and encourage him, right? These are important components, right? But we need young people to be disciplined in themselves, right? Can they want they, they need to know how to discipline themselves and prepare for that love. And, and there's not a preparation for that love, right? A lot of times people talk about chastity or saving themselves for marriage, but they don't understand it's not about saving anything so much as it's about preparing for the love of your life are you prepared to lay down your life for this woman? Are you prepared to surrender yourself to being with this man and to mutually uphold each other? And the crazy thing is, is once you get married, you and your spouse, whether you know it or not, are completely imperfect, completely screwed up. And then you shackle yourself to this other person, right? And and, and then you can't escape. You're like, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We're not escaping and the what i found has been one of the most powerful things in my own marriage and what i find one of the most um you know like one of the things i never really understood uh is once you're shackled to somebody and they can't go away and i can't go away i can't escape i can honestly i can be honest with that person that person there's an honesty that that proliferates uh love like like hopefully like this person my wife can tell me things, and I can learn to be a better person, and and I can tell her things, and and I I can't I'm not going to worry about her running away from me, and vice versa, we we because we, there's no escape, you know. But again, as people are dating, you know, are they are they preparing for the love of their life? It's not it, it's not one date, you know. Yes, there is the whole the mating ritual. Let's all get dressed up. Let's make ourselves look good, and that's good, like you know, but but again like what are we preparing our, our you know the kid for like what are they or are they just trying to perform right so i find a lot of the culture teaches kids to perform what we as parents want to do is to prepare our kids so that they can they they can be ready for the love of their life and they have the discipline and the capacity right if my son says i want to date this girl and, and i'm like well you know you want to date this girl well do you have a car are you going to pick her up it's not my responsibility to drive your girlfriend around you know what i mean i remember when i dated my wife you know the, the one of the things that i think was powerful about our relationship was just the fact that um you know there, there was this looming awareness of like what was lacking in me and if i wanted to be with my 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 wife who was my girlfriend at that time like i had to i had to get my ducks in a row in order to be with her and her parents were very effective at making sure that I understood, and she was very assured, my wife was very sure, I think by her parents, that these things needed to happen. If he wants to date you, well then he needs to be able to pick you up in a car. So I had to make sure I had a license, that I had a car, that I could do these things. You know, if he wanted to be with you, well, like, do you want him to be a friend of your family? Do you want him to be good with your sisters? Do you wanna be with somebody who's a jerk to your family? Or do you want to be with somebody who is, you know, um, kind to your family, right? These are very practical things. And so, like, I was very much, you know, invited into their home. And they did a very good job, I think, in forming um, the dating, uh, like, the the, the dating uh, stage. Because, like, I had to participate in this encounter in the world. And I had to grow in responsibility and discipline as a man if I wanted to be, um, uh, with this person. Um, and that built my character, right. Without these, 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 these realities that are both, I think a good standard. Um, and, and also they, they, they want, they made me grow up. Right. So when you come up with rules, like with dating, the rules have to be not emotional. They have to be based on reality. And that's what like i would say like if you love your kids the rules you come up with need to make sure reality is forefront because in order for the kid to take on your ego for them to think the way you think without you telling every part of your personal history because your kids don't believe that they are like you young people don't believe that the things that happen to you are going to happen to them and so you don't want to get stuck trying to convince your kids that dragons exist because those are the things that happen to you and so we're not here to try to you know you know communicate to our kids that things happen we're trying to communicate to them how to deal with them and so to give them our ego it's important that the rules we come up with always reflect reality that the child or the young person understands not our personal emotional experiences because as soon as our personal emotional experiences come into play the person will no longer listen and they will they will blow you off remember the thoughts have to be their own thoughts and your job is to teach them how to think how to think about stuff so that they can behave and anticipate it so it's super important that we relax and realize our kids have freedom except the fact that the world is going to have an effect um, and obviously that we have to prepare for that um, by not like freaking our kids out but by giving them opportunities, right? So again, what is the reality we're trying to teach our kid? You know, um, I mean, if you're if you're a twenty-three year old kid living with your parents, you're a twenty-three year old man, woman, whatever, and you're, you're finishing up. This is, you know, maybe you're twenty-two and you're finishing up your college, and you live at home, and your parents want you home at eleven o'clock at night. But all your friends are downtown hanging out. But your parents are like, well, if you want to live in our house, you got to be home at eleven o'clock. Well, my question is, is like, who does that rule serve? And is that coming from fear or is that coming from love? Remember, if we love our kids, we train them for reality. If we're afraid, we make them unconscious. We make them unconscious to the realities that they have to deal with. Yes, at night, bad things happen at bars and clubs and stuff. Um, Again, you know, but this is where maybe their friends are. Maybe this is, where, you know, this is where temptation is. It's also something that they need to encounter. Um, we have to encounter temptation so that we can, at times, um, become stronger. It doesn't mean we give in to temptation, but there's always going to be temptation until we're dead. We want to maintain a relationship where we can talk to our children. You know, we can talk to them about things and that they want to talk to us. But to talk to us means that there has to be room for them. There has to be room for them, not just our stories about our crazy life and what we did or how screwed up we did things or whatever it is. You know, remember, like your kids need to make their own mistakes. Not not they don't need to repeat yours, but they they don't need they they're gonna make their own mistakes. Give them the honor to make their own successes and their, their own mistakes. And so if you have a rule, the rule needs to be simple and it needs to indicate reality, right? So for instance, like if you wanna like if you want a date somebody, right? You know, well, what kind of like, why are you dating? You know, I'm dating because I want to, you know, I want to figure out who, what kind of person I want to get married to. Okay. So you, so this is a way for you to figure out like what kind of person works for you or, and you're interested in this person. Okay. What else do you want that person that you want to marry? Do you want them to be okay with your family and get along with them? Oh yeah. Well, then we really like to meet them. We'd really like him to be at our house and he's more than welcome or she's more than welcome to come over and have dinner with us. We'd love to meet her. like, And that'll be a good way for you to figure out if if they're okay with us, right? That's probably a good sign, right? And so all along the way, we're partnering with our kids to help them navigate reality and to prepare for reality. And instead of just trying to stop Maleficent from showing up, stop you know, the wheel of fate from showing up. Because as soon as we stop it, what happens is the the child either becomes unconscious or resentful, and then they find secret ways to do what they want to do anyway. And then those secret ways are usually way worse than the ways that we would maybe prefer. Um, So it's about balance, but the balancing point, like I said, it goes over reality. Now, there will be setbacks. People are going to not, uh, they're gonna, over the course of their life, make decisions that are poor, have setbacks, screw up, you name it. Whenever there's a setback with with whatever, the question becomes, um, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, framing this up as an opportunity for learning, right? We always want to look at setbacks as an opportunity for learning. You know, okay, um, this happened. You know, uh, this boy hurt your feelings. Uh, this friend, you know, um, whatever the case is, you know, this this stuff happens. What did you learn from it? It's not about casting judgment because judgment will prevent the child from learning from the event and protect them from future events. Remember, if stuff happens, we need them to integrate those events. We don't want them to ruminate on them. We don't want a a young person or anybody to constantly fixate and judge themselves. We want them to be able to learn from it and then to move in a different direction so that it doesn't happen again. The other thing with setbacks is they're an opportunity to clarify the goal. Right. You said that you really wanted to be dating somebody that was okay with your family. You know, but this guy was really mean to your sister, like this guy um, or this woman, you know, like she she said horrible things to your mother or she didn't show up to we invited her to your your brother's your little brother's birthday party. And that girl never came. You know, um, I don't understand. You know, it's not about us disliking the people that our kids date, because for, for the most part, you know, that may or may not happen. It is important that if your kid is dating somebody, though, like that, you're aware of the goodness of that other person. Because if you don't see the goodness in that other person, um, I promise you that the kid that is dating them, whatever kid that you have that's dating their their boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, what what your son or daughter is going to constantly fixate on telling you how good they are, which will all again make them unconscious to maybe the downsides, right? Because if all you talk about is where they go wrong, well. Now that you've said what's wrong with them, your kid doesn't get an opportunity to. So it's not, it's not saying that everybody, you know, but you need to have at least a pulse on what's right with these people, because remember your kids in some ways are attracted to these things, or these people I should say, and these people have good virtues. They might not be what you'd want all the time, but you don't know them. And remember like you know, it, it, you know these things, these encounters with the world, they're supposed to make us stronger. And, and to do that, we need to have a dialogue. We need to be able to talk about these things. We need to not be afraid, right? If your daughter is dating a young man, well, then you need to be able to engage him on the grounds of reality. And you have to be able to also try to form a relationship with him, right? If he's, if he's going to date your daughter, he is an extension of you now, you know? He's an extension of you. If, you're, if, you're, if your son is dating a young woman, she's an extension of you. In terms of that, you have to be mindful of, of, again, forming your son, protecting this young woman, protecting your son from himself, and making sure that these things, again, like the rules you give, are to protect uh, or to, to, to operate under the grounds of reality. But if there is a setback, we clarify the goal. You know, you said that you wanted uh, to be, uh, at one point, you wanted to kind of be married, right? But your your brother just told me that, like, you're also seeing two other girls, not just the girl you took to prom, but you're seeing two other girls. So you said that you wanted to be with somebody that's faithful and loving, but, uh, like, this is a concern for me, because how are you going to have, like, the kind of relationship that you want to have if you're dating three other women, Right. Same thing with the, with the things with pornography. Like you said that you really want to uh, focus your attention on one person and really have a loving relationship. You know, does does pornography support this? You know, that that is, you know, do you think that this is consistent? Do you think that your future spouse is going to really appreciate the fact that you're looking at this stuff? You know, do you think this is probably what's best for you? You know, and it's, again, it's, it's not about like, you know, and again, giving people consequences, the consequences then reinforce reality. So think about the realities you want your kids to learn, right? We want them to learn discipline. We want to make sure that their dreams or their aspirations are the things that we hold them accountable to. You said you wanted to be in a relationship with a man who shares your faith. You said that that was important. And yet your boyfriend never comes with us to church, you know, or if your boyfriend does come with us to church and you've said that, that's important to say. Well, I've been very pleased with the fact that he comes with us or your girlfriend comes with us to church, even though she has no faith. I think that's wonderful. And to be curious about the good, right? We we do want to be curious about the good. But when we think about like, you know, you know, these consequences, and we want to make sure that we're we're always going back to reality. So the other dimension of this again is again we want to make sure that we are maintaining the relationship and so that's why like you want to see the good in your child and in the other person as frequently as possible you know whoever they're dating has good qualities because remember rules with no relationship give you rebellion so hopefully this is a good setup i guess to kind of think about with your your your, your, your spouse about how you want to parent your kids or how you're going to operate with the dating game when it comes to pass but make sure that you uh, you know um, you know think about these things, um, but but get rid of the emotional um, stuff that comes with it. And and again, you know, remember we we don't want to project our own situations and our own issues onto our kids. They they have to slay new dragons, their own dragons. Okay, so go out there and smuggle some hope wherever you can. Take care. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Smuggling Hope. If you want to maximize the impact of the podcast you just listened to, try to find one thing that you thought was helpful and teach and share it with somebody in your life. When you teach and share what you've learned, it stays with you and it helps to internalize what we've learned and get that seed to grow. I hope that the seeds of hope continue to grow in your life.